Hey, 514 Church and everybody watching online, welcome to week three of We Can't. In 1930, a little boy was born, and by the time he was five years old, his passion for airplanes had taken over his life. And he used to do like my son was doing all day yesterday, throwing up the football, pretending that he was a Buckeye. And uh, he, he had planes, and he loved planes, and he would just kind of live in the land of make-believe. And this, this boy's name was Neil Armstrong. And Neil Armstrong was eventually the one that would take that passion for planes and flying and translate it into actually flying and landing and walking on the moon. And when he was a little boy, he, he, uh, we get the model airplanes. And, and a lot of the, the kids that, that loved flying because by the 1940s, the golden age of flying had really started to take over um, America. They would get these little model airplanes and they would wind up rubber bands and watch the propeller glow. But one time him and his friends were going to play airplanes and his mom and some of his friends recalled that instead of just taking a rubber band and doing model airplane like like most kids would, he actually built a wind tunnel. And he brought his mom and dad in. He's like five or six years old, and he had this big long tube and a fan at the back. And he showed how if there was propulsion behind this plane, that it would go faster and move quicker. And he was so passionate about flying and so passionate about planes. He loved them. He absolutely loved them. He was in love with them so much that it really over took his entire life. And he actually got his pilot's license before he got his driver's license. And he was flying planes and landing planes when he was 15 years old. And as he got older, he got into the Air Force or he got into the military and he was so good at flying because what had happened in his life is his passion and his love for flying translated into a vicious commitment a vicious devotion to the discipline and the steps that were needed to take in order to fly an airplane. And he was so passionate and loved it so much, and he was so disciplined and he practiced so much that there's amazing stories about Neil Armstrong in his rise to becoming the one guy that the United States trusted to fly a shuttle and land it on the moon. One of the times he was going through a test phase in piloting, uh, he knew based on some gauges that the plane was gonna explode. And this happened several times. And he just ejected and landed on the ground while the plane exploded. And he walked away and he went, check, well, we gotta do something different. Everyone was amazed at Neil Armstrong's discipline. He was so committed to flying that he, no matter what happened, he would just keep working to get better. Actually, one of the first times he flew up to the moon, the, 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 the plane, the, the, the module that he was on that ejected from the plane in orbit, the shuttle in orbit around the moon, it went down towards the moon and it went into a flat spin and he completely lost control. But because of his discipline, he piloted his way out of it and saved his lives and those on board, but he was unable to land on the moon because they used all the fuel. So then they had to go back to the shuttle in orbit and go back to earth and he walked off of the shuttle like, there we go one to grow on, and his discipline and his love of flying finally in 1969 got him to be the first man to land on the moon where he said those infamous words, right? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And all of that discipline and all of that passion and all of that devotion led to an amazing moment that nobody said would happen. Do you... 
You know the power of being passionate about something. You know the power of loving something so much that it drives you to do whatever it is that you need to do to communicate that love and to experience that love. When you truly love something or someone, what you will do is unbelievable. What you will, will, will discipline yourself to do is incredible. And I wanna remind you of something that we all know, especially in a, in a faith community. And it's this simple truth. God loves us. God loves us. Take Neil Armstrong's passion for flying and multiply it times infinity, and that's just the beginning of how much God loves us. He loves us so much that he was willing to take all of his love and his passion and turn it into extreme discipline, extreme surrender, extreme obedience to God to do anything he could to show you and me how much he loves us. I mean, the story of scripture is a story of extreme passion and love for you and me mixed with a devotion to God, obedience, and discipline all mixed together so that all of us could have an opportunity to end up in heaven. Do you understand the story of the cross? The story of the cross is I love you this much. I have so much passion for you that I would do anything for you, that I would give my life for you. And I don't want to do that, but I love you so much that I'm willing to do that and I'm willing to trust you. And so we know the story of the cross is that Jesus Christ became obedient to death on a cross because of love. God is crazy about us. His death on the cross is just his passion and his commitment to us overflowing. He is chasing us. You ever felt chased by God? You ever felt like, man, he just keeps coming after me? Here's how you know when you're chased by God. When no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much you're struggling, no matter how much the odds are stacked against you, you feel like God still loves you and still has your back. You feel like he's trying to get your attention. That's God chasing you. And you'll know that it's God when no matter what you're going through, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what it is that you hear and understand and feel inside, God, Jesus saying, I love you. And no other test, nothing was greater than Jesus dying on the cross. It's the combination of passion and commitment and obedience. When Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples and go to the cross to show how much he loves, to say, I'm so committed to you, I'm so passionate about you, that you need to understand, you can talk to me, Jesus says to his disciples. You can talk to me. And he has this conversation with his disciples where he's saying, do you know that God the Father and me are the same person? And that's confusing, right? You see, all up until that time, the love of God was unquestioned. The love of the Father was unquestionable. He loves us. All the stories, all creation, Abba, Father, this wonderful Father who would do anything for his kids. Well, throughout Jesus' life, he is linking himself 
to the heavenly father and saying, the kind of love that my father has is the kind of love that I have for you. He even says, I'm a good father, just like my heavenly father is a good father. And if you ask me for food, you think I would give you a stone? No, 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 no. I want to love you and show you how much I love you. And he goes on to equate himself with with the Father, to say, I love you as much as the Father, and when you pray to me and ask me for things, I will prove to you how much I love you by the way that I respond. I will respond, and you can talk to me the same way you've spoken to my Father. And look what he says. This is how much I love you. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, up until that point, the disciples prayed to the Father. They thought if they were gonna get anything from God, they had to pray to God. This passage is not about saying you get whatever you want if you ask for it. This passage is saying you can ask God for stuff, you can ask Jesus for stuff the same way you would ask the Heavenly Father for stuff because his love and my love are the same. He's going, I'll I'll be the one now, pray to me. Come on, I'm here with you. Come here, hug me, Philip. Hug me, I love you. I'm gonna go to the cross and I'm gonna die for you. Me and the Father are one. You used to ask the Father, now you have me, flesh and blood Jesus who loves you and who's gonna die for you and who's gonna raise from the dead for you. So when you think about God and you need something, go to Jesus because he loves you. And through this process, Jesus answering requests and basically taking on the role of love that his Father had, would ultimately bring more glory to God. I will give you whatever you want. You can talk to me. I'm your heavenly father. It's not a passage saying, just like a child asking his father for something that he would give him whatever he wants. It's saying, you can ask me now. And if it's the right thing, I'll give it to you. If it's not, I'll say no. Or maybe, or later. It's not about getting what you want. It's about going to the right source. Jesus, love embodied. I'll give you whatever you want because I love you. I'm passionate about you. I'm the father. We have the same kind of love. Look what he goes. He he reiterates. You can ask me because I love you. Talk to me, Jesus. We have the same kind of love. You may ask me for anything in my name, just like you used to ask in the father's name. Now you can ask in Jesus' name, and I'll be the one that provided it, just like our heavenly father. I love you so much. I would be willing to do anything for you. The heart of my father is my heart. I'm here for you, I love you, I died for you, I'd give you anything. If I can give it to you, I will, because I love you that much. And I'm about to prove it by dying on the cross for you. Essentially, this is Jesus saying, guys, from now on, would you just talk to me? Would you just talk to me? When you need something, talk to Jesus. When you're hurting, talk to Jesus. There's no one who loves you more. I love you as much as I can possibly love you. And I would do anything for you. And I'm gonna prove it. I would do everything I need to do for you to show you how much I love you. And then he says this. And this is where he turns it. And he says, I love you so much. I'd do anything for you. And he, he looks at them, he says, I'm gonna prove how much I love you. I'm gonna show you how much I love you. I'd do anything 
Now, what about you? If you love me. See, I love you like the Father loves you. I'd do anything you ask if I can do it. If you love me, if you love me. Now, everybody in here, if I asked you to raise your hand, if you, if you love God, you would raise your hand. I say, you love God? Let's just do it. Raise your hand if you love God. Everyone in the room. And some of you are going, you know, my, my love can get better. My love can get stronger. I know I need to get better. I know I, know I need to learn things. I know I need to, 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 to have more of a heart for God. But ultimately, yes, you know, check yes or no, right? Do you love God? Yes, I love God. Yes, I'm trying to love God. I'll do whatever you want because I love you. And he says, if you love me, then grow up and show it. You see, you can go through your life with just your passions and you can just say that you love God and you can play pretend and you can get the model airplane and wind it all up and act like that's good. But if you really, really, really love something or you love someone, then you are gonna have to go from an immature state where you're driven by your passions, by your inspirations and your dreams to a state of I'm willing to do anything I need to do because I love this so much. And this is when what you want Get mixed with your commitment. Gets mixed with obedience. Will you do what you need to do because of how much you love? Will you? Do you love God? I mean, come on, everybody just raise their hand. Yeah, we love God. So if God asked you to do something right now, if he said, okay, I, I just told you I'd do anything for you. I'm like the father, my heart, it couldn't be bigger. Now, now you love me back, would you do whatever I ask? And then all of us at, the, at, at just the precipice of that question would go, yeah, I will, God, ask me. It's basically like I talked about week one, a big step of faith is saying, God, my yes for you is based upon my love for you. I love you fully. Therefore, I'm willing to say yes before the question is asked. Because I trust you because of how much you love me. You say you love him, I say I love him. God asks us, says you love me, obey my commands. God asks us to do a lot of different things. He, he, he challenges us to take lots of different steps, lots of very difficult steps that test our love for him. And so many of us are willing to do those things. The scriptures are full of challenges that God asks us to do, that are tough to do. Love your enemies. Forgive those who have trespassed against you. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. God says, these are my commands. And because you love me, you're going to grow up and you're going to do these things because you love me. And one of the things that God talks about in the scriptures more than anything else that is no different than any of the things I just mentioned and is solely based upon your passion, your love for him, but that transitions into true, fully grown, mature love 
when we're adults is our giving. God is asking us to give financially. All of us stand and we say, oh, God, you love me. You'd do anything for me. And he goes, I know I love you so much. Would you, would you do anything for me? I love you. I'd do anything for you. Now, you love me? Yes. Oh, yes, we love you. Now, will you obey my commands? Ooh, it's a lot more fun to just play pretend. It's a lot more fun to just build a wind tunnel. It's a lot more fun to just take a rubber band and say that I love God, but man, actually learning to fly and learning to take it to the next level takes too much discipline, takes too much commitment. Maybe I don't love God. And every single one of us raised our hand when we said we loved him. Would you just do what he asked you to do? Do you think that, that we could be fully motivated by the love of God to love him back and to show that by being obedient and giving? You see, the scripture is, is it's vast and it, it talks about money all the way throughout, all the way throughout, the very beginning of the book, all the way through into the New Testament. And a lot of people try to duck and dive giving and say that giving in, a, in the Old Testament was different, and now it's different, and it's become like this. But essentially what you have to do if you want to really understand the Word of God is you can't just take one spot of the Bible and then land on that spot and say, this is this. You actually have to take all the different things that it says. And you have to understand that God has spoken here, and he's spoken here, and he's spoken here, and we're taking all of this, and we're understanding what God's call to us is. And in the Old Testament... The Bible teaches us that we're supposed to give and trust him and actually test him and give 10% of our, of our income. I talked about that last week. Test me and see that I don't open the storehouses and overflow the storehouses so there's, there's no more room. You bring in the whole tent. And in the New Testament, it says that you're supposed to give generously. It says that you're supposed to give regularly. It says that you're supposed to give hilariously. Another way it says is God loves a cheerful giver. And so if you take what the Old Testament says and what the New Testament says, and you take a needle and you weave it through it all, then you have this principle that says we should, at a baseline, have our target for giving to be 10%. 10%. That's a safe starting point. That's a safe target. I've heard other pastors say, yeah, 10%. If you take the New Testament and the Old Testament, 10% is the floor, not the ceiling. It's the beginning. It's the first part. And the Bible doesn't just say to give 10%. The Bible says that you should give 10% first before you give to anything else. Our son yesterday got $10 for a Halloween card from, from a family member. And he brought that $10 over to me, and I said, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to take this, and you need to put one and give it to God. And he goes, give it to God? How do I give it to God? I said, well, you give it to the church. And then you take $1, and you go put it up in your piggy bank. He goes, but I want to go get a toy. And I said, well, we can go get a toy with that $8. You understand, that's what the Bible teaches. You take all the scriptures, that's what it teaches. Give, save, live. 
Give 10%. Now, now all of you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Giving 10%, that's so tough. That's so like, oh, that seems so like rough. That seems so like, just like a discipline, like a, like a commitment. But, but you just got to back up. Do you love him? Yeah. Do you trust him? Yeah. Will you do what he says? Ooh. It's that simple. Will you trust him and do what he says because of how much you love him? Now, one thing that I talk about all the time, and I've sat down with some of you, and I've said this. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. God, God doesn't need your money. God, God's not about amounts. You see, some people might give money, and they go, well, I gave a lot of money relative to how much I have. And God goes, no, 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 no. This isn't about amounts. There's no amount that you give that then makes me go, okay, well, they gave this amount, and over here, they gave this amount. There's, someone over here might have way less income, and they give 10%, but this person's 3% or 1% could exceed this person's 10%. God doesn't look at that 1% and go, oh, that's better because it's more. See, the scriptures have story after story about giving not being about the amount, but it being about the heart. I love you so much, I gave you my life. I'm passionate about you, therefore I committed to do what I needed to do to show you how much I love you. Do you love me? Yes, we love you. Will you do what I said? Yes, we will. Tell us what to do. You see, God's not just after your heart. He wants you to, to then let that capturing of your heart translate into obedience, translate into willingness. He doesn't just want a piece of your heart, he wants all of your heart. And when we look at the scriptures, if you say you love God, and this is a very big, bold statement, and this could be a line in the sand for a lot of people go, I don't know if I believe what 514 Church believes, but here is the thing I want to put in front of all of you that I believe with all of my heart. If you say you love God 100% of your heart, then that means that you have committed to give God 10% of everything he's given you. All right, let me put it another way. If you say, I love God, with all my heart, and you don't give 10%, then between you and God, I would say, you say you love him, but you won't keep his commands. He's like, I love you, I'd do anything for you, I'd go to the cross, did I wanna to go to the cross? No, I didn't wanna to go to the cross, but I did it because I love you. You can't question my heart because my heart was displayed in my obedience to dying on a cross for your sin and your needs. So if you love me, that same obedience, that same commitment, I wanna put in front of you. You love me? Yes. I want 100% of your heart? Yes. So give me 10%. Trust me. Come on. Come on, give me 10%. You say you love me? Come on. Some of you are going, oh man, I don't know how to give 10%. I don't know how to get there. I'm gonna talk about that next week. Some of you are looking at this and you're going, oh man, gosh, I don't even know if my heart is like fully committed to God. But man, we give and we've given a lot and it's just not a stretch for us. And here's what happens. The word of God, it tells us what this target is. It says if you give 10%, then he's gonna bless. Not just financially, but in a community. I talked about that last week, but all around you. When you give, you're gonna see life change all around you and in this church and in the community, you're gonna see it. 
He cares about that. That's where he wants the baseline to be, and I believe that's the target. And, and, and you guys understand that at our church, I talked to you uh, last November, I think it was, and I sat down, remember, I sat down in a big chair here, and, and I had the family meeting, and I said, hey, all of you who have said that 514 Church is your home, you're not giving because we're not at, we're going through the summertime again. We saw a major decrease. You didn't commit. And I talk about in our membership class, like, hey, if you believe in this place and you call this place home, then you're going to be obedient to say, I'm going to give. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to tithe. And what we were seeing is the people that called it home, the people that were volunteering, the people that said that this place was their home, the money wasn't there. And it had been, and it was dropping off. And so I had to sit down and go, guys, 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 you said you love this. You committed to this. Come on. And from that moment, everyone went, okay. And I, there's a correction, okay, pastor, let us, okay. And everybody started giving 10% again, or giving. But our church has been one of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people giving 80% of the finances. Up to this point, we've had a million dollars come in and I haven't even done this talk with everybody. And under 20% of the people in this church had given a million dollars. Over 900, I'm gonna just 900, 850 call this place home. This is the target. Everybody does this and they're saying, we love God. You can't go around saying, I love God. I'm part of 514 church. I believe in God, da, 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 da. And God's going, uh, no one else can see your finances, but I can. And when I see your finances, it's synonymous with your heart. Giving 10% is a heart issue. Not giving 10% is a heart issue. You do not need to give 10% to this church. You don't need to give 10% to any church down the road. You need to give 10% to God. And if you don't trust the leadership here, then you've got to go somewhere where you fully trust the leadership and you say, I love God with all my heart and I am going to give 10% because I love God. That's my challenge. It's, it's so interesting, right? Every person I talk to, there's three people in this room that have sent me a note in the past two weeks that have said, Joel, ever since you challenged me to trust God by giving 10%, he has blessed me. He has overwhelmed me with new job opportunities, with uh, raises, with uh, community growth, and my family's coming to church, and uh, just name it. Listen, I have never once in my life heard a story of someone who gave God 10% and God didn't bless them dramatically. Never once, and you know why? I was at a small group this, this week, one of our amazing small groups, Ted and Carla's small group, and there was about 20 people in the room, and three of them told a story of how they trusted God to give 10% and God provided and blew their mind and they had a thrill of a lifetime. Three of them said that happened, and one guy points out like this, he goes, do you know how many times that story has been told. And I said, every time someone trusts God with 10%, that's the story. Every time. Every single time. God will change your family. God will change your community. God will flip your world upside down. You love him? He even says, test me. Tech, 
Come on, test me. I just want to thrill you. I just, you be obedient. I know as you're growing up, it's difficult. You used to say you love me. Now you got to do it even if you don't want to do it. You might have to sell some stuff. You might have to change your life. You might have to reorder your whole life. But you just trust me and you be obedient to me because you said you love me. And then I'm still, even if sometimes you're not like loving doing it, you're doing it out of obedience. I'm still, I'm still going to open up the flood gates. That's God's promise not mine. And some of you are sitting there, you go, I've always given 10%. And so you have the word of God and then you just have to move, right? For some of you, God might be saying, you know what? You need to trust me. I want you to, I'm going to take you on a new journey. And this isn't for everybody, but for some people that have given 10%, for you, you might have to trust him. He might be telling you, we got we to gotta bump it. We got to trust God more. And for some of you, there are some people in our church and you have to know this. I mean, if the 80-20 rule applies, you have to understand there are some people in our church that they do this. They give 15%. There's some people in our church that give 20%. Because they believe, oh, I love God so much, man, I'm gonna give him 10%, and maybe they've done that their whole life, and then God provides for them, and they just keep giving, and they just love giving. This is, this is the principle of scripture. This is, this is what loving God looks like. It's a lot of discipline. It's a commitment. And some of you are going, you know, once I make enough money, then I'll, I'll start to trust God. God, once I make enough money, or once I get out of debt, or once I, and you look at all those things, you have all those excuses, and God doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, once you make enough money, and once you get out of debt, then start trusting me. He says, start trusting me right now. You're in trouble because you didn't. If you trust me, I'll get you out. And here's the thing, so many people are living in this world where they're going, once God does more for me, then I'll trust him. Here's statistics of giving to charity nationwide. Just giving to charity. These are Christians, non-Christians, all combined. Anyone in any household that's in the $50,000 range, the average charitable gift annual for $50,000 people, people that the household income is $50,000, is 6%. 6%. A lot of these people are sitting there going, you know what, once we make more, then we'll trust God. Once we make more, then we'll be obedient. Once we do this, then we'll be obedient. Well, the statistics show that if you're in the $200,000 range, household income, that it drops to 4%. What this means is that now, now, wherever you are, is when you're supposed to start trusting God with 10%. But there's no excuses. That it's like, okay, I say I love God, I gotta put, this is the ultimate, my money where my mouth is. You, you guys know that if we all gave 10%, I mean every single household gave 10% for two years, we would raise this money and have money in the bank. I mean, it would be like a no, it would be like a joke. It'd be like, oh, there we go, we got it. It's God's plan. There it is. I, I, I hate to say that. You know why? Because I'm certain that um, so many pastors have stood up and said, if y'all gave 10%, then we could just keep the church going, I'm sure. And then it's true. It's true. And ultimately, us trusting God, then he takes the finances and we go and we can afford this amazing ministry tool to reach hundreds of families called a building. That's the process. 
We have some amazing stories of people that have trusted God with 10% there for the majority of their life, and even the ones that have started when they were very, very young. And uh, right now I want to share with you a story of Jess McCartney, who is a leader in trusting God with 10%. Jessica Lynn McCartney, and I love that I can come to 514 Church on any given Sunday and always hear the gospel. I give because basically I just think that's a pretty black and white thing that the Bible says this is what you do. You know, something I did as a little kid and I just got in the habit and then I got in college and I got lazy and then I got a grown-up job and it just occurred to me, you know, this really isn't a gray area like, oh, I kind of want to pay more in my student loans this month or I don't really feel like giving. It's like, no, God says give 10% to the church. So there's not a whole lot of area for discussion there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think I've always been kind of a type A person when it comes to spending, and I like to know that I have enough money, and I don't really like to spend money, even if it's on something for myself. You know, even if I know I have the money in the bank, like I uh, bought a car recently, I paid cash for it, and that was a good thing, because I knew I wanted to do this, I've been saving money, but man, it was so stressful to write that check, because it's just, ooh, that's a lot of money. You know, I just got to thinking, I I believe in God, I believe in what 514 Church is doing, I believe that that's something worthy of investing my money in, and, uh, you know, I've just found in the past a lot of times when I try to make something work out, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and then God just shows up and makes something happen in a way that I couldn't have really planned or arranged, and then it's just awesome because it's not about me, you know, and I just thought, okay, God's been really faithful with all these things in the past. And so there's no reason that I shouldn't trust him going into the future. We can't means that we can't do this on our own and we're going to have to have God in this process to make it happen. At first I kind of thought that's sort of strange because usually, you know, you have these building campaigns and it's all about, well, okay, everybody open your pockets. You know, I know you can give more. And, uh, and I just thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. Like, we're going into this saying we're going to do this, but we can't do this. You know, it's kind of an oxymoron. I think it leaves a lot of room for what God can do. To be honest, I I think it was kind of like an arbitrary number, sort of. I think I picked a number like, oh, maybe I'd be comfortable with 12%. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go crazy and say I'll give 50% of my income or something, but, you know, 15 was kind of a stretch. So I'm like, you know, it's going to be a little hard, but that's seemed like a good place to start, I guess. I give because I think it's the right thing to do, and I think by stepping out in faith, you know, it it challenges, I think, the trust you have in God, but then he proves himself, and then you can look back on that and say, man, look what God has done, and I I think, you know, the blessing is not necessarily that you're going to get all this awesome stuff because you give to the church, but I think, you know, you're blessed because you see how God works in your life, and it gives him an opportunity, like it gives you an opportunity to trust in him more instead of just trying to do everything on your own. I I think that in and of itself is is a blessing. I think that's a pretty good reason to give. A couple of weeks ago, we got the biggest gift to date that we've received for 514 Church. It was so fun. We've been sharing the story of We Can't, and we've been talking about how it's going to take big faith and, and obedience to actually reach this goal through faith. And after church one Sunday, someone came up to me right over here, and they said, I, I have a gift I want to give to the church. I said, what? 
And the person reached out and handed me this. And I don't know how much money is in here, but this four-year-old girl said, I love God with all my heart. And he told me I'm supposed to give. She went to her piggy bank and took out everything, put it in this bag, and handed it to me. God has her whole heart. Does God have your whole heart? You know, like, play pretend, play model airplane? Are you going to grow up and say, okay, God, here's my heart. Here it is. You're right. You love me, so I love you. Here's my 10%. You're going to get the opportunity in the next two weeks. You're going to get one of these next week. This is where you get to put your heart on paper. This is the 514 Church We Can't Commitment card. And on this card, you're going to get to tell God that he has your whole heart. That you've trusted him. You're going to get that chance to have an interaction with God where you hear the words of Jesus saying, whatever you would ask for in my name, I would give it to you because I love you. Now, if you love me, obey my commands. You know, when it's all said and done, it's just going to be a moment. No one else is going to be there. It's going to be you and God. You're going to get to say whether or not you gave him your whole heart. Could it be that there's a direct correlation between the natural means that he's provided us with and the heart and soul of life? I can't wake up every day and do this job and tell people that I love God Tell people that you should love God and not tell you what it looks like on paper. This card, we'll go through it, but the bottom line is is that put all your different giving in these spots here in the bottom right-hand corner. What I'm gonna ask you to do, I'm not even gonna ask you to do what God does. God asks you to do this for the rest of your life, and I think you should, but I'm just gonna ask you to start off by putting in that bottom right-hand corner your total commitment for just two years. Just two years. And see what God does. See him fill his promise. As you grow up, stop playing pretend. And love him because you want to and because you should. Let's take a minute. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that you didn't just say that you love us, but that you were obedient 
even to death on a cross. Help us, God, to grow up today. To not just say that we love you, but to show that we love you in the most practical way. We need you every hour. Got some of us in the room have hardened hearts. Hearts of stone. We won't budge on the budget. We don't see your goodness. Doing it their own way this whole time. Even if they have a lot, not willing to budge and give back to you. God, break through that right now. Take us to Gethsemane, that that moment when your passion meant your willingness to do what you had to do. Soften us. Help our hearts to sweat and bleed because of how much you love us. We can't, but God can. So many times, God, we pray and we ask for things. We don't need anything. You've already given us everything. Change our perspective today. In Jesus' name.